to do okay, the so lyrical version and that can't just be the instrumental. Yeah, people will be like, I don't want the trap, the trap music version of that song. We'll find somebody who's really into that kind of thing. This light of mine. We have Stephen Maddox here, my wonderful husband. Hello, that's me. Yes, he's listen to that voice. It's so sweet, sweet sounding. And my name is Irorobeje, Crystal Wilson Maddox. You say that name again. Irorobejeo. No, that's if I'm calling, somebody's calling me from the motherland, fatherland. Um, <laughs> the motherland, you're going to have to elaborate. What are we talking about? Africa, Nigeria. Um, you're so from Nigeria? I am, yeah. You were born in Nigeria. Awesome. Well, I was born here, and that's another discussion for deeper in this conversation, but I was born in the United States. All right, so this light of mine, we, we want to do something awesome here, and we're a husband and wife duo maybe we should call the show this light of ours this light of ours Ooh, this light of ours so uh we've changed the name of the the program immediately (laughs) to be inclusive of each other instead of possessive which is great so yeah it's exploring the truth with the discussion through the eyes of the franciscan values which all of us know that is marion's pride and promise we really ask all of this through the grace of the holy spirit it's it's tough to have deep hard discussions and conversations with other people and each other in this world of so many things going Seriously, on. Seriously, like what what happened? Like we used to talk about things and like disagree with each other and still say hi to each other even though we disagreed. Now we're canceling people immediately and it's terrible and people are toxic sometimes. But I think that this show um, will allow us to engage in fruitful discussion amicably and, uh, you know, sometimes husband and wife say tiff. And they need an outlet to do that in a productive manner. No, but really it's more of um, just really illuminating all of the conversations that we have that are deep and tough through the Franciscan values and looking to kind of explore truth like our own truth and maybe truth for you guys too through discussion and through the grace of the holy spirit really you know we wouldn't probably be here at marion any of us most of you listening if that wasn't a part of the picture yeah Uh, and certainly that's something that you know we can all equate but isn't always addressed in discussion. So it's something that's important. You know, we don't hear about the Holy Spirit when we're watching the news. We don't hear about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that'd be nice if it would be. <laughs> and today, from the Holy Spirit, you know, even, line. <laughs> even in discussions with our peers, like probably even on campus. I mean, I imagine it, it comes up, but uh, it's it's kind of taboo to bring up outside of certain realms. So being open to that as a part of the discussion is is an exciting part of what we're trying to do. You know, and, and maybe that's just self for us, but I think the Holy Spirit is something we all share, and so hopefully that's something that can make this show be about more than just us. So we're hoping to also eventually include, you know, our listeners in on the show Absolutely. Uh, in different ways. We're looking to bring people within the Marian community onto the show. And again, the goal is to get into these tough discussions, but to always fall back on the Franciscan values as sort of a, a qualifier, you know, a reminder uh, to make sure that we're doing our due diligence, even in our opinions and in the way that look at the world. And then the, for me, you know, really it's about accountability. I feel like that is missing today and that I feel like we live in a strangely dark place, but that, you know, often a little bit dark. Yeah. Like sometimes. people are so driven by their fear 
rather than guided by their own light and the Holy Spirit within. And and it's a challenge when you feel the light and you're trying to drive yourself by the light and then people see you that way and they're just so controlled by their fear that you can't find, you know, that synergy with people you're working with, you know, people you run into at the store. You know, sometimes it's the opposite. And and that's, you can kind of sense the Holy Spirit with people. And that's, that's how the experience is for me a lot of the times. And I know it's probably that way varying for different people, but it's, you know, it goes so much deeper than that as well. Yeah. So I guess we should start by how we got to Marion. Like how, why are we here? What, what happened? I want to talk about my background a little bit. So I'm the director of K-12 School and Community Programs. And basically I'm creating pathways for students who are in the K-12 grade to come onto Marion's campus and explore campus, learn more about college and have access to Marion. And they can do this through our summer camp programs, through our campus visits. And so I got this position uh, through some community engagement through my previous job. I was recommended for it while I was uh, seven months pregnant and learned that my current position at that time was going to be axed. And so I interviewed and I was definitely just had my baby right after that. <laughs> and I pretty much didn't disclose that I had given birth. And so when it was... Shows up to the interview <laughs> two weeks after giving birth on our couch, mind you, yeah. at home. Steve was the... Um, a little early. Steve was the, the mid-husband on that in that process. We gave birth, uh, to, our, I, <laughs> gave birth to our daughter, Mercy. I prefer the term Dr. Steve, but that's okay. Dr. Steve, yes. Yeah. Uh, but yes, Dr. Steve was there, caught our baby Mercy. And then I had an interview two weeks later. <laughs> and she started working two weeks after that. Not even. It was like a week and a half. It was like three days after. No, it was like a, it was like three weeks to a month. But um, I really didn't, I didn't go through the post postpartum process completely. But it was amazing. I was able to have Mercy and uh, my husband at my interview in my soon-to-be office at that time. And uh, I was able to go through a five-hour panel interview and uh, nurse my my baby and see my husband in between. So it was wonderful. But that's how I got to Marion, through a serendipitous experience, thought, you know, losing about to lose a job while pregnant and gaining one that elevated me to a new status and was able to give me access to a lot more resources here on campus to be able to provide the really awesome experiences for students to engage underserved students and then students in rural areas and things like that with our Ancilla campus. So yeah, that's how I got here. And she has a background working with social services, also with a, a law degree. And uh, that's a little too generous. No, no law degree. <laughs> no law degree yet. Um, but I had to have some experience working in the legal, in the legal field. Oh, wait, where did you end up with that? I thought you had a degree. Did you not get your degree? I have my, I have my bachelor's degree in criminal justice. That's so like, what I meant to say. Law degree, bachelor's in criminal justice. Yeah, so a, close to the same thing. Uh, I worked for attorneys. Uh, my previous boss here, Marion Deb Lawrence, uh, is the general attorney for general counsel for Marion. But I, I work under the uh, wonderful leadership of Jen Plumley right now. But yeah, no law degree yet. No so law degree. I want to be very clear that, that there is. Yeah, a I'm not a lawyer. But yeah, so that's how I got to Marion. Steve, want to share your story about how you got to Marion? Yeah. So my wife got this job <laughs> at Marion. Um, I have everything but a degree from my years at Franklin College. I spent some time teaching abroad, came back, and it ended up messing up my scholarship because of the time spent versus the amount of credit given, something that they told you after the fact back then when they were just get the financial aid secured first and then ask questions later era. Anyway, <laughs> student loans. Sally Mae. Goodness. Long story short, I went from being a practical graduate to 
the workforce pretty quickly. I actually had an open door to go back and teach in Japan and um, started a family pretty quick after I got a job managing a portrait studio way back in the day. Anywho, it led to other opportunities in between. I've I've done a lot of different things. I've had so many different careers. It's kind of not funny, but you know how it is. It, bartending and hustling. I worked at a brewery, spent all this time working for a, a big company downtown Indy. And wouldn't you know, it was kind of laid off at the beginning of 2023. I think I worked myself out of that position with my high levels of production. We'll say it was a challenge. I don't really want to get into go it. There into the dark place <laughs> of why you were. Yeah, 2020. Through 2022, 23 is tough. There was a lot that what? a lot that happened. We got married. We got oh, man. We, we made it. You know, 29 moved our wedding up. We got we got married right before the pandemic. We had our our son River, and then Mercy came right after. We bought a house. Like so many things were happening. It was go 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 go. And uh, not to cut you off, but you, you got to mention you got a, back, a background in, in journalism too. And, and yeah, you taught in Japan, so and I you taught also, in Japan, and I was uh, I wrote for my local newspaper and worked for the Indianapolis Business Journal. I've worked for a number of publications around town before I fell into the work cycle that came after college and then eventually found myself doing the bartending thing and then bounced into a big company. Now I had this opportunity after making really good money, buying a house, starting a family, doing really well to change my career and I'm kind of sidestepping back into school. So I'm looking to get something going here. I have a big passion for journalism um, during my time as a journalist, I was kind of spurned by the uh, inability to create content based on truth, I'll be honest with you. So this is what really drove me to be a part of the show. And more important than anything, uh, I was having a hard time shining any kind of light on anything, even just in discussion with my editors. Once you got past a certain point in the hierarchy of editors, the top tiers at every publication uh, were kind of driven by revenue and by an agenda. And obviously it was going to be hard to get information out that did not meet said agenda, which began an eternal discussion about what is being withheld and to what end. And this lack of light in these rooms when you're in the dark about things and then you suddenly see the lights on and you can see what's going on. It's kind of, there's some stuff you see that people should be ashamed of, I'll just say. And nope, that's everyday life. This is how we go on with things. And this is our, you know, this stuff affects all of us. And so I'm kind of driven by this lack of truth um, and this willingness to just go out and lie and to not live by these Franciscan values. And the fact that I still live by these values and other people don't and that they're taking advantage of my livelihood without going any deeper than that. Well, let's not go down the rabbit hole because you can definitely go there. No, but um, that, that's what <laughs> kind of brings me here to the opportunity now to just be a part of all of this and, and to find an in to creating a, a, the kind of content that I think is missing. And really, it's, it's simple. It's just being able to have the discussion. And that's what this is all about. We're going to have the discussion. You know, the idea is to take on the difficult subjects and, you know, to lay the groundwork for other people to make their own minds up and to have their own discussions and, and hopefully to elaborate in a way that will take us all on a journey that will shine some light in some dark places. Amen. So let's start with a quick prayer because I think we need to just bring the Holy Spirit into this place. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for um, 
just waking us up this wonderful Saturday and giving us the opportunity to spend some time together. We are without kids working on this production and it's, it's a wonderful thing to spend time with my husband and Lord we just ask that your grace be on our hearts and our spirits and our tongue as we speak and then through our minds that we're able to connect with each other and also to connect with our listeners and to bring peace into the conversation. Lord we ask all of this through your name through your grace. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And before we get go any further, because I do want to jump in with the you know the the content. You know, we're looking at all of this through uh, the lens of Franciscan values. So I'd like to go through the primary values that we have here at, at Marion that make me proud to be a student here. And my wife can help me elaborate a little bit on each one. So first one uh, that you'll find all over campus is the dignity of the individual. I think this is the one that I bring up the most in, in like random spaces. Mostly I'm out in the community. I especially brought that up just recently when I was doing my community engagement with Naptown African American Theater Collective. And I was speaking to the audience right before um, the production of Detroit 67, which closed last weekend. It was amazing. I was letting everyone in the audience know, like, these are actors on stage and we need to treat them with dignity and respect. Every individual is a a human person on here playing a character. And so we want to create safe and brave spaces for them on and off the stage. And so within the Franciscan values, like, what does it mean to treat everyone with dignity and respect and grant everyone that dignity? And how is that illuminated through the classwork and through the content and through the conversations and our interactions with each other, whether faculty or staff or student or, you know, any pun, anyone who visits campus and, and then our outreach to the world. So that's kind of what I think about it. There's so much more we can dig into with that. But I'll just say that dignity, it's just how we act, how we treat each other, how we are communicating. It's like not it's not what you said. It's how you said it. Right. <laughs> We're going to act with dignity when we when we get to a, a tough place. And it's that's the hardest. That's one of the hardest things to do, I think. And it's one of the reasons I think you don't see. It's funny how we don't see examples of that right now. What we do see every day in front of our faces when we people log on to Facebook or do people still do that? Or yeah, to, jokes from to, the young you know, people. there's a lot of a lot of. Uh, well, I just remember the end of my reign of social media. We'll say it was marred with a lot of negative energy being put in front of me every day, and it was like that's what this is, and that's what drove me to get away from all of that. And I saved myself maybe a couple hours a day yeah. not scrolling. Yeah, programming that exists. But we can go into that later. Oh uh, yeah. Um, so let's be digni- dignified. <laughs> dignified. Number two, our, our responses and and our actions towards others. Number two in the list is uh, responsible stewardship. Yeah, one of my favorite ones. Responsible stewardship. I, let's see, during the uh, Central Indiana Science and Engineering Fair that we had this past March, our office, which is basically colloquially known as the K-12 through team, created a Responsible Stewardship Award for the, the students who presented the cre- most creative concepts and ideas in the engineering and science fair that really spoke to how do you treat the environment, how do you treat the world, how do you engage with the world um, in a nutshell, you know, treating the world and, and, and people responsibly and being that steward of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it was it was fun to be able to l- walk around and listen to the different awards and look at their you know tri- trifold. I used posters. to have a job working at a uh, movie theater early on, and we had a position called the steward. You would walk around with one of those brushes. You would clean up popcorn. You uh-huh. help people find their theater. You would literally just walk around cleaning up popcorn and helping people find the theater. All day. You're <laughs> just, but, but I mean, you didn't end up doing other things. Oh, the arcade machines broke. Oh, I got this problem. Oh, I got this. You were in between. You were running around. You're keeping people busy. If we all were stewards for each other, just for the Holy Spirit that shines within each and every one of us, and we were all just cleaning up after each other thoughtfully, constantly. Taking man, care of each other. Man. 
man, doesn't it get easier when you're when you're in a community of people that all think alike and act alike and, and, and have each other's back? It's, well, and speaking to mm. community sidebar, but I I feel like you know your experience uh, teaching and traveling in Japan, the the way that the community really supports the the surrounds, like you know Ooh. the upbringing of of children, has a different. Um, it's illuminated differently than it is here. Sure. That's another example. We can talk about that yeah, next. Maybe that'll come up in the conversation here a little bit. That next. Put that on the on the list. So number three on the uh, list is actually I don't I said the last one was my favorite. I mean these are all my favorite. Is re- reconciliation. Mm, how do you reconcile with the one that might be your enemy? I'm sorry, so <laughs> it's so random. Well it should be, if it man, if that's a baseline of your understanding and you're going in with it into any fight looking to always try to reconcile to some degree, like yeah. if that's your goal instead of trying to get the one up on the other person, it's to try to get them to see what you're trying to say instead of trying to just say what you want to say. You know, there's always gonna be a, an open door, but you gotta want it. You gotta want it. If you don't want it, if you don't believe in reconciliation, that's not a part of your program will say then i mean man it feels like it feels like that's where we are as a society right now like why is what happened to reconciliation and i am so excited about some reconciliation these days that is an untapped market (laughs) (laughs) get your real reconciliation here get your reconciliation yeah it's a personal and community uh responsibility to reconcile with one another and then an individual responsibility to reconcile with yourself because if you beat yourself up all the time and you're not recognizing and reconciling with your flaws or your faults so that you can grow through that then you become an obstacle to your ability to reconcile with others and i think that's why the church you know the church family and the the bigger the bigger world family it's important that when we come together that power of reconciliation is can be magnified magnified so we're all feeling so good and warm inside Mm. we all we all are just you know Love and harmony. All right, I'm not singing on the hey, air today. Man, I'm sorry. I'm not <laughs> singing. The best thing you can do is forgive. Forgive. Mm. Forgiveness. Okay, and what's the last one? Peace and justice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Like the Lord's peace and the Lord's justice. And again, what happened to all of our peaceniks? Like that used to be a, a genre of person. I feel like that genre of person. Needs to shine a little brighter again. I feel like we're missing that. And I don't think it should take a... Peaceniks? What is that? I don't know. Hippies? Uh, oh, those guys. Um, <laughs> those guys. <laughs> Just, I, I, I used, well, I like immediately I, went back to like before I was born. I like, resemble those, that remark. <laughs> those guys. Um... Yeah, my husband does have a little bit of a of a hippie look to him. If you if you if you saw him, uh, you guys probably don't know that we're an interracial husband and wife team here. I don't know if you could tell from our voices alone. <laughs> well, well, I did start off with that I was African, but maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe we can we can jump into the. Well, no, let's we'll jump, jump in because that leads us right where we're going. So being being one peace half and justice, yes, of an interracial couple, I find myself. Always in these situations, you know, growing up in, I'm from central Indiana for the most part, born in Kansas. Somehow the wind swept me out here uh, and I've spent all of my life really in central Indiana aside from that time teaching English in Japan. And so, you know what it's like to have a limited scope and vision. Uh, I've always been grateful though to have been the black sheep of my family and was always questioning uh, ideals and values. And it led me on a path really to my wife from a very young age, which I never realized until I met my wife, which is some beautiful irony. Some of that stuff that just lets you know God is real, to be honest with you. Um, And, you know, but, but being some white bread from middle America. Oh, not the white bread. Oh, man. Man, it says the, 
says says the uh, eloquent and and beautiful woman from Kentucky. Oh yeah, well, (laughs) ah, so many jokes about Kentucky. I like I don't understand them because I'm like, well, I don't really fit the mold. My parents just chose this area to come because it was it was easy access to the United States. South of Indiana, it's like all we got. Like you're from Kentucky. (laughs) I mean, it's an old school even thing. I doubt these kids even know what we're talking. It's okay. It's all right. Some people listening would know. Um, But yeah, born in Kentucky, raised all over the United States. I do still claim my Boston phone number, 617. So I do do say that, you know, I I was raised in Boston, but for the most part, I was raised all over the place, Kentucky, Florida. Boston moved around a bunch of times and back to the Midwest. But my family is originally from Nigeria. Which brings me back to middle America, white bread being thrown onto a plate with some jollof rice and spice, some suya. Suya spice. Suya's so good. good. is good. And I'm so grateful to be soaking all that Nigerian flavor in my life now as a part of my reality. But you find yourself out of sorts and you even just in these discussions with your wife sometimes and there are these lines that get drawn that you're not aware of and you have to like stop and realize that you're not standing from the same place and you you need to look at what they're looking at. And that's really what I'm talking about is this just cultural differences and the idea of the word culture even coming up sometimes. And, and it's like when that word, that term gets dropped, all of a sudden the landmines are out there. There's 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 things in the water that are not fish. And we've got to be <laughs> careful to catch what we catch because uh, you might, you might, might find yourself— you might find yourself uh, preoccupied with with some uh, a discussion or an argument or even it, something that you didn't intend when you were just trying to talk Midwest American and not think twice about it. Well, I think that culture is a very interesting concept. I I look at culture and heritage, you know, to be in the same family, but then also there's just there's there are a lot of differences in between the two, and we really should be pulling up some definitions here. But I'll continue. For me, I grew up in a traditional Nigerian household. And what I mean by that is both of my parents are old school, born and raised 1950s, 1960s. So I've got, you know, near my 40s. And so my parents um, have certain traditions and uh, upbringings that they instilled in my family. And so I carry that with me now. And as I'm getting older and wiser, I realize, wow, a lot of these things were ingrained. But when I was younger, there was so much of a clash, a culture clash between what my parents were teaching me and how they were raising all of us in the house versus what was happening the moment I walked outside the door. One funny example that I bring up a lot is just the concept of sleepovers. I remember trying to explain my parents what a sleepover was, and they were like, I don't understand what you're talking about. Like, why didn't you go sleep over somebody's house? Like, then come over here. And I was like, well, this is what people do in America. Dad, mom, come on. You know, so everything that I wanted to do that did not make sense culturally was it, it. I had to present a dissertation. To yeah, my you had to you had to have <laughs> some discourse with your dad about what is this? We're going to have to discuss this because it's there's some cultural differences here. I don't understand what's going on. You're going to have to explain this to me. Yeah. Stop. What are we doing? Hang on. And there, that's a point of contention. A point of contention and also an opportunity to understand more than Love you that. can There's the light. see. So, um, and then there, I mean, there's things I still learn today as an adult um, culturally that, especially since I was mostly raised in Nigeria, I'm uh, sorry, mostly raised in the United States, but I've gone back to Nigeria just a handful of times for, for small stretches, about a month or so, that I'm still learning. And so as I'm learning and raising our, our children, I'm trying to instill all of that in them. And then obviously 
my husband and I come from different backgrounds and I can I can trace mine back. Right. Um, some people don't have that luxury of even knowing where they come from to draw upon the culture. Hello. Um, and or the heritage, like what's in your bloodline and what's in your what's written in your DNA that and what what do you do your ancestors? What did your ancestors so, do that carry with you, you know, with you today? You know, I, I don't know a lot about my ancestors and I know a ton of people that are the exact same boat as me. When I did spend my time in Japan, I memorized this speech I wrote and it was all about how the cultures were different and it was about how I have no culture and how Japan has so much culture which was so rich because they closed their borders for 200 years it was amazing they just had this boom of culture why did they close our borders they were trying not to have their culture impeded upon by the bankers who were trying to spread their way into Japan so they closed their borders up in fear of that self-preservation sounds like sure and they even had their own problems don't get me wrong of course which came to a head but those problems were even influenced by outside sources and you know there's always 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 more to the story but yeah point is they wanted to preserve their culture they wanted to preserve their art they wanted to preserve their way of living because it was such a special thing to them and they believe it or not japanese culture they believe in the spirit they believe in buddhism and they believe in shintoism and most their households are split but shintoism is about you see those you see those gardens all over japan the rock gardens where there's sand and they're combing the sand and everything has a perfect place and has a balance and it has a way if you look into it it's it's all about the spirit being in everything even the rock even the ground that's why japan is always clean not only um do they believe in the responsibility and being stewards of their environment but they you know believe in the community and the connected nature of each other and they work together in spirit in kind in a way that is unique to the rest of the world and and a lot of it may have to do with the those borders being closed for 200 years but what were we talking about <laughs> well, I mean, we were talking about culture and diving yeah. into that, and I kind of split off with, you know, so, and, well, so, going so, back to so, your background, how you don't. So you don't I don't know have, your and and then and then here comes this boy from white bread America, uh, and his his parents' generation uh, didn't, you know, really know a lot about their history, and most of us are mixes, like, uh, and any most of the people I grew up around were probably German, Irish, uh, mixes, most of them. Okay, and they had more. There's all kinds of other subgroups within that too. I mean, I I knew the black kid in town, um, you know, where I grew up. Uh, just joking. There were at least two or three of them. Well, I I've grown up in places where I was only one of seven when I lived in Massachusetts. I was yeah, one of seven was in my neighborhood. Two or three in your school of a thousand or something like that. Yeah, it's Indiana problems. Well, maybe in my grade, <laughs> in my grade in the school. So we'll say there was a dozen. There was a dozen to fifteen in my school, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's where I grew up. But aside from that completely uh, is the fact that I didn't know a lot about my history. Even my grandpa wrote a book about geneal- his, his genealogy. So he went out on a limb to try to discover, but he only knows it back to a point. And so he knows that, you know, um, there were um, mostly an Irish side of the family mixed with German that had immigrated that made their way to, guess where, Kentucky. And then traveled north. So I do know that, but I don't know really anything back into the Irish heritage. Like most of us Irish folk over here, unless we grew up in a really rich kind of cultural sort of hub, probably have no idea about their true history. Mm. Well, you know, I think that if you if you dive a little, dive a little deeper, your last name Maddox is, so, is actually adopted. Yeah, so it gets weirder for me because I was adopted. And I'm a Maddox through adoption, 
but I was born a Delaney. And so I know, so not only was my grandpa's side of the family um, Miller, but my father, who was my grand, I'm, my mom, my grandpa on my mom's side. So maternal. he was the one, my maternal, my maternal grandpa was the one who wrote the book about the, the family's heritage. And then my other side of the family, my father, I don't know that side of the family very well. And through that side, I'm, my name is Delaney. So obviously the Irish genes are very strong. Um, and it's a firstborn son of firstborn son. So we're talking strong. Like my kids got some red hair in there somewhere and I don't even have red hair. Sometimes so, it's a little, I see a little in your beard right now. What are you talking about? Okay. Well, I can't see well, the, that. Well, the gray is coming through. The wisdom gray. is silver. Excuse me. Anyway, so long story short, I don't know a lot about where I'm coming from. And, and the culture of the people is really what's, what, what is lost. There's no Irish like culture coming through with our no. American spaghetti no. dinner now, hold on with a grandma's house. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, unfortunately, you know, we had a great, <laughs> I, had, I had a good experience at grandma's house growing up, but there was nothing about my Irish heritage there. There was nothing about my German heritage there. There wasn't much American historical culture to pull from. And so it's all kind of just kind of flat. And it's kind of like, what are you watching on TV is your culture. That's America. Mm. You know what I mean? It's what is coming through that boob tube. And so I think so that's which which comes back to my whole side of this discussion is I think so much of what we define as our quote unquote culture, even the term culture, even the term culture is kind of this sort of like label that can mean anything that can be used for anything but that's it, like it's it needs to be more specific well there are specifics but like, i think like the problem heritage. is are you is talking that, about your heritage yeah. or are you talking about your culture well and, and culture can mean so much um so i've got that already up so let's look at this cool. so i've got it just the google search brings culture as I, which, which I, source, I got a couple more. Source: we Britannica, or are we doing? We're not the, doing it Wikipedia. Doesn't even say. It's just good, the Google. The mm. Google says that <laughs> the Google uh, it gives it gives four. So one is um, the arts and other manifestations of human intellectual achievement regarded collectively. I mean that's wide open, but the humanities, the intellectual achievements, intellectual activity, mm-hmm. the the manifested reality. So this piece of you know this this phone is culture this laptop is culture this studio mic is a bit of culture the t-shirt i'm wearing now you're just naming culture now you're naming all the things around you like like what's his name did an anchorman (laughs) what was that scene in anchorman he was just like i love slam are you just naming things around you and saying that you love them that's what my husband is doing right now yeah so my point though is it's 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 this it could be anything. You know what I mean? So but I'm gonna look up Britannica here and I'm just gonna I'm gonna add a little bit to what All right, you're that's saying. just one of four, but okay. That's yeah, fine. Yeah, I'm just so, I'm, hel- I'm helping you out. A way of thinking, behaving, or working that exists in a place that. or organization. So a way of thinking, behaving, or working. So like the culture of success at a school. Like I think that's where you were talking about like Culture can be flat. What does the culture of success really mean? And then you have you have the the motto or the visions that really define all that. But then it's like implementation. So you talk about culture. How is it implemented? How is it, how does it show up? How does it how do, how do you see it presented by the people or their actions? And that can get really tricky and muddy when people don't even really know what they're talking about or what they really mean when they do that. And I think that's kind of what you're getting back to is like, are what are you really saying when you say culture? What do you really what are you really projecting when you actually talk about? Well, yeah, that? and I'm saying that, and I'm also saying that it's it's like almost being used as a weapon. And Uh-oh, we're talking about weaponizing words. <laughs> well, I mean, in these situations, unlike social media, like oh. you have all of these circumstances where culture is relevant, and now we're using culture against people just as an argument. 
in a way that is like an attack on their understanding. Like, you think this, you're wrong, this is this. And then there's so many standoffish memes and uh, social media. Like, and I'm again, I'm falling back to social media. So this is a lens it takes that over the world. But it's but it's the reality with which people are processing reality. You know what I mean? It's the and so I, I'm just frustrated because there are some controls coming in on that stuff that are whatever. Now this is an overarching theme of mine that the yeah. show is about. We could dive deeper into that, uh, but we can we can sidestep a little bit. And I don't want to get too deep. I want to sidestep because I because I don't want to I don't want to lose sight of the goal, which is to bring people to the light. And I want to I want to make my way slowly. So so let's let's jump to heritage though. So Britannica <laughs> heritage includes the traditions, achievements, beliefs that are part of the history of a group or nation. See, and this is... Okay, group or nation. Sure. So the the examples that Britannica gives, a nation with a rich heritage of folklore. His Polish heritage was very important to him. These battlefields are an important part of our heritage and should be preserved. Okay. So I like this. So we, let's let's go on this for a minute. So this yeah. is this is my whole idea, is that most of the times when people say culture, they're really talking about their heritage when it is relevant in a way on these social platforms where it's important to respect it. And so, yes, we've got to, you know, it's great to respect someone's heritage. You shouldn't step on their heritage. And I really don't think most people are going to step on their heritage, but they might get stuck in a discussion about culture. Culture, yeah. (laughs) And so then they get a, so that's, and now all of a sudden it's okay to say that culture and heritage are the same thing because it pushes my argument that you're giving me crap and I'm going to use that against you and now I'm arguing with you and and I that's what I don't like seeing. We can we can we can challenge culture and we can challenge heritage and we can accept culture and we can accept heritage. But I think one of the differences is that for me heritage especially looking at this definition traditions, achievements, belief that are part of the history of a group. So we're talking about like historical pieces of a person or a group or a nation or an identity that carry beyond the person in the trends okay. right so culture can be like the trendy thing like the cancel culture like that one um episode we did i did with a um my friend kendall with um or archdiocese of indianapolis with arch indy black catholics we talked about cancel culture and how like you know why is this a thing now why why is this it's it's, sometimes you got to write people off because it's like you're not healthy and you're toxic i can't be around you the holy spirit is telling me no you know (laughs) i gotta step away and 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 you're, you're not really necessarily the best example for me or my or my family but you know that culture is a trend and so but that's very different from heritage i don't think we have a cancel cancel you know that's not part of the heritage of people or the group of people but it could be part of their culture so it's just like it's it's a tricky subject and i think going back to what you mean sometimes people really mean heritage when they're talking about well my family and my this or my my people do this you know african americans as a group of people our beliefs and our our accomplishments or as a as a nigerian our beliefs our accomplishments are you know as a as a nation as a group of people like what do we hold that's part of our heritage that has historical Sure, basis sure. versus some of these trendy things that so let me, we need, let me we need ask a, you some we questions also need a, i've got i've got three we questions we also need a historian you. here to talk about some of this stuff sure, i feel like sure. that would support sure and that, and that would be great going. maybe maybe we can revisit episode we, one in we, the future we, we need to with call a, upon with some of our professors here at marion to jump on the show that would be anyway. great to, to really help uh give us some some guidance and some feedback and some deep insights yeah on some of this we'll stuff. cultivate it i'm sure anyway answer me this then 
how would you define Nigerian culture? Just basis. Go. I'm going to go back. How would you define American culture? See, now you're taking this in another direction. How am I taking it? I'm, actually, I'm asking <laughs> you the same question. But you answer my question with a question. That's not. That's not okay, so we're gonna, we're going to answer this. We're gonna, no, I'm, we're leading, gonna, I'm leading into something we're gonna and, you're ans- taking, and you're taking it in another direction. We're going to answer the questions that we've each asked each other. Okay. But, but, but okay. But, but I, I'm doing an exercise that's a three question thing that leads into something else, which okay. is fine. How would I describe Nigerian culture? It would be very hard for me to describe Nigerian culture because one. I mean, I, just put it in the simplest words. It is the... I can't put in simple words. One, I don't have certain context because I was raised here. Okay. So I'm going to be missing a lot. I would say if someone were to ask me, some random Joe Schmo, not my husband, <laughs> some random person, what's Nigerian, what's Nigerian culture like? I would say very colorful, lively, lots of music, dancing. We like to make good food. We are very spiritual people. Sometimes we can be very boisterous in our our explanations and that, i think it comes to the spirit of the of the culture that we have which includes like i said the spirituality the food the family even as simple as coming down to like your name so my name irobeje has a very significant meaning iroro means wisdom irobeje means when you are faced with decisions a process can be difficult there aren't a lot of people that i go and talk to that are not Nigerian that can tell me a deep meaning behind their name. So it even it starts from by before being born, you know, right? There's this concept of okay, what is the name of my child going to be and are they going to fall into that person, be, become that person as they grow up. And so there's this prayer behind the spirit of the child that starts. And I can go I can go on and on and on and on and on and on. This is great. This is great. I also would have accepted. But if somebody if somebody wanted to ask me that, I I know. And 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 like let's just say the average middle American white answer to that question is somebody who was born and lived in Nigeria or Nigerian culture. Okay, so Nigerian culture is the historical and current relevant sort of way of being of the Nigerian person and nation. I mean, that's my best I can do off the street. Thank you. All right. So we've got that version versus your version. Is my is that version was that version wrong? I think it depends on how deep you want to go with the person who's asking. Oh sure. No, and I love the deep. No, there's nothing wrong with the depth. I think the depth is what's what I think the depth the level of depth is an important thing. So here I can I can ask myself the same two questions. What is Nigerian culture? What is American culture? Because you know what? I have both. Ding, 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 ding. So if I have somebody ask me, if I go to, let's say I go to Nigeria and somebody asks me what's, what's American culture, I'd say, well, we are, we, we, we get, get our money. You know, get, get your money, right? Jobs. Yeah. Jobs are, 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 if you want work, you can find work. Right. Yeah. Um, I would also say that we have access to a lot of things, um, mass produ- mass produced foods, mass produced clothing, mass produced items. Right. But these are things that are illuminated on TV and through the media. So wh- what am I feed- what am I feeding the person who's asking me? Am I giving them the truth or am I giving them like what would be easy to, to digest? And so that so in asking those questions like that's probably I, I, I would probably make some assumptions about, about what the person needs to hear for me to either either get through my day oh. <laughs> get to the next See, thing. but that's that's like a whole layer of critical thinking going into the person that you're sharing the story with and not an answer okay. to the question, which well, is hold beautiful. On a but hold on a second. Because to it my gives de- a lot of insight into to- where we are with this whole cultural uh, situation, which brings me to my position. Mr. Whitebread Middle America marries into a Nigerian get, family, I mean, and I am so excited about it. You credit than being white bread. Well, and, and I do have a, a, a more diverse background than the average piece of white bread, but... <laughs> 
uh, does that mean I came from a different loaf because I've 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 been um, you know I, just because I've had had these experiences that have helped shape my spirit you know or does it go back to the spirit being born from a different light I I don't know you tell me that's another discussion for another episode but uh, for this episode. Um, you know, these challenges of getting into those discussions and trying to meet a level of understanding is an exercise that I get to engage with every time I hang out with the family, and it's beautiful. I've got found a level of comfort there where when we get together with, like, um, my brother-in-law, Victor, and he, with his thick Nigerian accent, can get off on these discussions, and sometimes you have to make him repeat his words just to understand what he said, uh, especially when his, when his wife chimes in, too, and, um, you know, but you get to the end of the thing, and if you keep digging and you keep digging, eventually these little, like, epiphanies where something is lost in the translation of the language finally comes through and and that exercise whether it has been you know with your family or with these people in japan or with the the vietnamese community that i taught uh you know that is the really Vietnamese community that you taught yeah well, explore uh, so i i did some well didn't taught i instructed i taught esl to a corner side pocket of, of a vietnamese community so it wasn't. It was just a group of people, a couple of families that I worked with and and did some uh, work with them. But it was like there was language barrier, and we worked through it. And there were levels of understanding. And but you could still work side by side. Didn't matter. Kids can play together that don't speak the same language. And I was around that from the age of twenty on uh, through my own volition. But I I saw you know maybe between the lines a little bit before that. Thankfully, that brought me to that position. And and oh, yeah, and, 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 other and so it does. Too, I do have help. some seasoning. I wouldn't say I'm, I've got a deep culture, you know, um, but this bread has picked up some extra crumbs along the way, and that's great. And um, but it, but it's still, I still find myself in these in these positions where you're having these discussions where the culture breaks down, and it, and there's just so many different places you can come. Is it from. culture breaks down or language? The, the, the language breaks down in between. Well, not even the language. The it it can be with people of this from the same. You all, I could be talking to people from the same. Even within your own family, you said you family. Mentioned, you mentioned being the black sheep, but then you mentioned that you've accepted it. So uh, yeah. Well, that's just it. And the acceptance of that has helped me out a lot because I used to beat my head against the wall trying to have conversations with my own family about ideas and ideas about culture. Yeah. Well, what about what we would call culture? What about when you watch the movie Roots (laughs) as a child, seven years old? I just remember getting into a conversation. I see this little girl on the screen with her. I think she had pigtails or her hair was up and braids and she was wearing a little dress and I'm just a little boy looking at a little girl and I'm and I remember my family were having was having a uh, probably a, a what would be currently an inappropriate discussion about race if I had to guess because I'm sure there were opinions that were grace that were fringe you know racist because my grandpa grew up in that generation and even though his land was purchased adjacent to a black man who lent the property he purchased it from uh you know it he still had his things that he would say growing up that were from the times that were inappropriate he wasn't an overtly racist person but you would be watching a movie like roots and then um their discussion would would spark me to say something out of the blue like well what if i married a black girl in fact that did happen that's what he said and and Continue, sorry. And, and so I literally said that out loud, and then they were all making up excuses as to why it might not be a good idea. And I just remember being disappointed, and I stuck to my argument. And I'll just say <laughs> it's funny because my life took so many turns before it finally came full circle to that uh, episode of Roots, which I want to f- remind 
the audience or let them know that it was a, a back-to-back. We watched Roots and then we watched The Color Purple. So that discussion went on oh, wow. for a while because they were on back-to-back on TBS or something back in the day, like way back in the day. Wow. Yeah, yeah I remember that, that detail now, which is funny, but uh, interesting. Okay. So my family was willing to take in the program and have the discussion, but they, they still weren't willing to budge when it came to the, the general acceptance of the, the idea of the spirit that was guiding me despite them. <laughs> yeah, at seven years old. We know how the Holy Spirit works. It's insane to think so, about it. But really. now it's a different story. Obviously, like, we're married. We have children together. And... My grandpa and grandma danced at our wedding, and my grandpa was so graceful that whole night, and I'm so proud of him. And, you know, I feel like I got to close that circle of for him, close that door for him, as it was the last year he was alive, by the way. May he rest in peace. Yes, both of them, grandma and grandpa, great. But with time, people change, obviously, so... You know, the comments that were made when you were seven did not stay with your grandparents. Oh, no. But (laughs) at the end of the day, and I think we have to give people that grace when we have those conversations about the difficult topics and things that, you know, just because one person presents in this moment this way, whether it's arrogant or or ignorance or, or airheadedness or, you know, biases or things like that, we... It's tough because especially when you're dealing with day to day to day to day to day ignorance, microaggressions and things like that, which I may experience or you may have not. Or when we're together, those things seem to pop out a little bit more as as you've obviously seen when we've gone out and people making comments or giving you the side eye. And I have no idea because I've just been I've just been used to ignoring that kind of stuff because it happens all the time. But being being present in those moments so that obviously we can engage our children when they come to those moments themselves. But I think I went on a tangent here, but it's really it's really about giving people that grace to change and to find and for the spirit to really tap into them, to give them that wisdom and, and epiphany as to maybe, hey, there's a different way to accept this person. There's a different way to find the dignity in this human and their experiences and not just be driven by the culture of the time to be a racist or be a bigot or be an extremist in this way or to not be accepting. So, this is funny because <laughs> I feel like that's we, we, we've been through that. Like I feel like not and I know this is from my perspective, but I grew up not around a lot of black people, for example, and would not care if they were black or race or of another race, Mexican, they could be Polish, they could be from any country. You know, I remember hearing people say things growing up, like when I was really young, okay, uh, in general conversation that were probably stupid, but they were also kind of tongue in cheek and like, just we're just being cheeky and it, but it was accepted, right? It was accepted that they got away with that and you would hear it and it didn't you know, it came. It it didn't always come from close to home. It was there was a lot of just out and about. Yeah. Um. For sure. But you know, I I feel like when you look at the the way that our our general acceptance of those types of people came, I feel like we like at the, like hitting into two thousand and stuff. I then all of a sudden we're all in a little bit of a different place. I feel like the community was closer. It doesn't mean that there were reparations were made that maybe needed to be made or whatever. However you look at it for some of the negativity that happened in the past, because you can't really do that doesn't take away the pain. It doesn't take away the hurt. It doesn't take away the trickle down when we have systemic issues that still that still linger and that are that are that are that you know whatever. So that stuff should grow and that should change. But I felt like the people were coming to 
together. Like if you look in, heading into like the Occupy Wall Street era, just for example, coming from my perspective, you know, as has having been keeping score this whole time uh, as a sp former Spurn journalist, I I'm just saying that there was a, a, a coming together of people that I observed, and then there was this sudden shift. And it seems to me like there's this cultural war being played on people, like literally with intention through the media. And, you know, if you look into the big picture stuff, and I'm not going to go too deep into like cultural Marxism, for example, which could be alluded to with some of the discussion that I'm getting into. It's kind of a deep subject, but I, I really do believe that there's this kind of push to keep us divided. Absolutely, there is. And, and that progress, when progress is made to a point, like then they've got to, they, there's this agenda coming from somewhere that rattles the cage, that shakes up the people, that keeps us at ends. Yeah. And what an amazing new tool we have. It's called social media and we're oh, suddenly yeah. using it to it. And, and weaponizing words and, and weaponizing uh, so, movements. I think. Which brings me to my other question. You, you define Nigerian culture I bet I, I would love to ask you to divine black culture, and but then I was going to have you divine white culture because I feel like there is now this like like whereas in the past when my kids were my kids my grandparents were growing up there was <laughs> there was this amongst the white culture this negative opinion of the black culture right mm, probably yeah. portrayed in media and portrayed through certain angles I don't know if it was the churches of the time or what um, but probably but, too but, I mean there's a lot there's a lot of influence but where was it really coming from I grew up in a community Franklin Indiana that is kind of famous for being on both sides of the coin. We both aided the, we, we had the head of the Ku Klux Klan come from an area very close to Franklin. And we also had Franklin College, which was a part of the, that were a part of the Underground Railroad. And you had literal establishments that still have places where black people were kept safe and, and free as they made their way, you know, north. And I don't know where the big picture that all stood along because that history is so muddied. It's it's it's, mm. it's ridiculous that we didn't hang on to that we the way to, that we, we should. To, we need to find out. Well, I was that was one of the stories I was trying to write for a newspaper that wouldn't let me do it. And I won't speak their name here, but <laughs> you, could, you could do the math if you knew where I grew up. And I delivered their newspapers, but they wouldn't let me pitch my own ideas. I had to write. I had to write whatever advertisement of the time they wanted me to write, and that's okay. That's that's the way the world works now. The but it's not okay. Controlling it's the not okay, yeah. and it's not okay to um, rattle our cage the way that we have been when we've made progress. So and, would, and, and, and would you say and, there's a culture war? I'd say there's a cultural cultural war because, because, and I don't think I don't think that it's inappropriate to think that they're that. The, I feel like there's a war right now and the angle that it's taking is just interesting because now I find myself literally in the other side of the spectrum because we are now like there's this just general theme and memes about how the white man is now suddenly the on the bottom of the totem pole where it was the black man before and it's like well the white man's turn and it's like well this is just <laughs> furthering the degradation of our society are we not just going to hit the brakes and say listen look at this well stomping on anyone to rise up is terrible and so and I think People want to like point we, fingers, and the easiest finger to point at is to the white man for sure. Because, but how many of these because, white kids growing up watching Full House and Family Matters are really to blame? Oh, hold on, hold, and yeah, there's true. a lot of stupid people true, out there. Don't true, get me true, wrong, true, and true. a lot of stupid people that shouldn't shouldn't be just going around saying stupid things. But guess what? If we true, but if, if we look, all if we all are stewards, those stupid people aren't going to look very yeah. But you talk smart. about the, the top the top percent and all that stuff like that, and then you see the you see the patterns. So that's why people are like yeah, and that's where stereotypes and, that, and, and generalizations and all of those can really cause issues but i think to speak to the point of the culture wars absolutely absolutely one of them being you know this idea that black people can't be racist 
I am kind of confused on why, who, and how that started, but it is something that is taught in certain aspects that black people cannot be racist. And I'm like, black people, as much as any person can be racist, it's a matter of the way you speak about it. So it may present itself differently. You know, generally, historically, we know that the N-word has been used to de- to, to, to degrade and, 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 and lock people down and enslave, enslave black people. And so there isn't a reciprocal in the black community like that word. But there are contexts and conversations that are being had that are just as, just as terrible. And so I, can, I, I, find, it, I find it to be um, something that's sprinkled into some of the conversations that I've seen on social media. I'm not going to drop his name right now because I feel like if I dropped his name and my I don't I want to do all that. But there are certain people on platforms that are totally against interracial relationships, totally against um, black black men, um, you know, dating white women, totally against black people dating outside of their race and will absolutely speak on it with such force and fervor, you know, to the point where you're like, OK, hold on a minute. Where's the where's the anger really coming from? Let's talk about the root of the issues, which are so much deeper than than this angst that was being spewed on the internet. Is it is it because, you know, within the black community, there's been division within the black community based on colorism? We don't talk about colorism enough to the point that I want to have so, that conversation. So tell us, tell us just a little <laughs> bit. Let's let's not go too deep because we're running short on time, but mm, I want to, let's talk about that, what that means to you real quick. Colorism? Yeah, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's worth, it's it's worth really, dipping into real quick. We'll dip into it, then we'll need to move on. Yeah. To, it's a very... It's a very sad issue. I so I grew up um, part of where I grew up. It was in a, a place called Gainesville, Florida, just home of the Florida Gators and um, University of Florida. And my time spent there, I was a victim of 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 colorism. I didn't know the term at the time. Um, I called it black on black discrimination. Is what I called it. If you listen to my voice right now and you heard me on the phone, you probably would make assumptions about who I am and how I, and where I come from. If I didn't tell you anything about my name or, you know, what my background was. What are you trying to say, honey? Well, it could sound like this and then you think I really talk like somebody else. But it's, you know, anyway. So, so. So she has a very, she has been accused of being white on the phone. That too. But I'll go back to, I'll, or you sound like a white person. Oh, I don't know. Oh, you what sound different. You sound different. <laughs> or you talk white. But the thing is, it wasn't white people saying That's, that. It was black to, people saying which that. Which comes to the colorism. So yeah. colorism really, you know, about the skin tone where, you know, lighter black people were treated differently than darker skinned black people. The idea that white being closer to white in your skin tone was perfection or illuminated as, uh, you know, pure, whereas dark is dirty and ugly and uh, demonic. And those extremes was something I dealt with as a dark-skinned African-American child growing up in Florida in the 90s. I was subject to a lot of kids making fun of me who looked like me, and that was so confusing. I had to basically psychoanalyze kids at my at a young age as to why people who look like me are making fun of how dark I am. I didn't understand that. And as a black community, I feel like that conversation is not discussed enough. We're always pointing fingers at what someone else has done and we don't start with what is happening inside our own house. Obviously, there was an agenda to break down the house from within so we could talk about that. But we need to talk about what's happening within the house so that we can we can further be strengthened by and empowered by healing from that. And then from there, we, we, we move on. We move up 
not moving on, and, and, and I don't want that to be confused as we're moving on, we're not, we're forgetting about all the things that happened. No, but we're moving towards a place of elevation, but it starts from within. If we're still talking back and forth to each other about, you sound like a white person, you sound like this, or why do you do this, or why, you know, why are you dating outside your race? It's like, yeah, that's, that's these are it. all so many things that are so, like, uh, it just, it doesn't help us understanding why do we think the way we think. And why do we believe the way what we believe? Who taught us this? What systems taught us this? Why at a young age did certain black children, you know, exclaim that they didn't like their skin color? Who taught them that? Who taught them that like black was not beautiful? And now there's a campaign to make sure that little black girls and little black boys know that they are beautiful. Black is beautiful because we were told for so long that we weren't internally and externally back and forth for years and years and generations and generations. And so that shaped the way people spoke about themselves and each other. And so w- culture, that was the culture of the time. We're shifting that culture away from that. Is that heritage? No. I mean, I feel like it's time to, to wrap it up. So instead of saying the word culture, what is it that we should do? I mean, what is it that we need to be doing? Or what could people that we're talking to do that could just make that an easier conversation to navigate? I think it Definitions. I'm going to quote uh, Dr. Perlette Springer here. She started off her intercultural competencies training that she did for her summer camps. Definitions. And I think because if, if the person that you're having a discussion with does not have the same definition, then the basis of your conversation is going to be based off of whatever internal dialogue or whatever alternate reality or, so, or current reality you're talking about. So de- define the culture for yourself, I guess, be more specific. specific? Well, specific, ask questions, right? So be I think specific. If you think of if, if somebody says culture, like, are you talking about culture? Are you talking about heritage? Are you use your words, use <laughs> your brain. Don't just use the word culture. If you have to use the word culture when you're talking when you're writing when you're writing a paper when you're sending an email when you're discussing it with your you know your family your friends i think we should make a conscious effort to think what we're actually trying to say you know we have a a, what that what the britannica said that we have a culture of success a company or organization motto is we have a culture of success well then we have a history we need we need to (laughs) define or not success we need to define what you're talking about because a blanket statement that sounds catchy and nice doesn't really mean anything if you don't know what you're talking about. So I think definitions are important. That way everyone's on the same page. And then we can also talk about, okay, well, my interpretation was always this. Or, oh, that's what it really means. Or, hmm, I still disagree. Because people can have that ability, that space to really like talk about that part. And then once we figure out, okay, we're on the same page. Okay, cool. Let's continue. Now, that may make this conversation way longer. But if you're not on the same page and you don't know that you're on the same page, then you're me spiraling out of control and being trying to chase chase tails. So if you can't do that in a what thirty character tweet or whatever they do these days, then you probably shouldn't be doing it. Or you better be ready for some like backlash or questioning. But isn't or... that why half of the people do it in the first place? Because they get there. We're just we just enjoy that mm. that chip that back and forth. Some that... people just want to make a post so they can have somebody react. Well, I was hoping this episode would get a little bit more back and forth, but I'm hoping that we have some future discussions that will. Absolutely. Um, well, I really want to talk about the next episodes down the line. Indiana eugenics laws. I'm sorry. I just want to talk about that because there's the historical component to it that really need to just split open and see how are those things playing 
in today's society. Well, that's a that's a deep episode. We'll have to do some research and get that one lined up. I want to thank you guys for joining us today. We hope that we were able to like at least open your eyes to a little bit about who we are as an interracial couple who has traveled the world. We're from different parts of the world and we're using those experiences and through the grace of the Holy Spirit and our uh, Franciscan values to really guide some of these conversations. And we want to definitely touch deeper on the cultural wars conversation that we started. We talked about uh, Indian eugenics laws. We talked about weaponizing of words. We talked about colorism. We talked about a lot of different things that each one of those could probably be an episode. But I think that for the future, we definitely want to have listeners give us feedback and maybe some topics that we could talk about yeah please feel free to share your thoughts questions or stories related to today's topic if you have any subjects that you'd like to see us tackle in future episodes you can contact us at truthglows at gmail.com that's t-r-u-t-h-g-l-o-w-s at gmail.com you can also find us on instagram at this light of ours and this underscore light underscore of underscore ours on Instagram, IG. And that's where you can find us, Gmail and uh, IG. All right. Join us next time for another enlightening episode of This Light of Ours. Thank you.